Look at verse 13, right in the middle there. It says, it is because we are alive from the dead. Do you remember what you were? Hey, I'm talking to Christians this morning specifically. Do you remember what you were before you came to faith in Christ? Before you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? You know what we were? The Bible says in Ephesians that that we were made alive who were once dead because of sin and trespasses. We were dead in our sin and trespasses. What does that mean really? Because... If a lost person is dead, I see them all the time. They're very much alive. So what does it mean to be dead in sins and trespasses? Well, before Jesus, the Bible says we were dead. Before he saved us, before he changed us, before we had faith and trusted in him, we were dead. That death was spiritual. And that death signifies an absence. Actually, you know what? Death itself signifies an absence of communication in life with the living. So, in this situation, those who are dead spiritually have no life with God. They have no communication with God. They have no relationship with God. A person that is dead in their sins and trespasses simply is separated from God, has no communion with God, has no life with God. You know what Paul says? The reason that we are to work hard to stay from sin, the reason that we are not to allow it to control us, the reason that we are to fight against it, the reason that we are to give our lives as a living sacrifice to God, the reason that we are to bring glory to God is because, beloved, we have no excuse because we are alive from spiritual death. Amen? We have life, folks. And that is the greatest of all reasons that we ought to live to give honor to God because we are alive. Listen what the Bible says in verses 6 and 7. It tells us that through Christ, that's how we have life. What happened to us so that we can live for God? Well, in verse 6 it says this, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Jesus, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. The power in living for God is not, in you, is not you and me, but the power for living for God is in us because we are saved. See, what is the old man? <laughs> All the commentators basically say, it's, in this context, it's not so much the sinful nature But the old man is that person that the believer was before he was saved. The totally depraved, unregenerate person. The one who is lacking the life of God. That old man was crucified in Christ. Kenneth Weiss says, The person the believer was before he was saved was crucified with Christ in order that his physical body, his life, which before salvation was dominated by the evil nature, that sin nature, might be destroyed. The word destroyed 
means simply to render idle, to be an inactive, to be inoperative, to cause to cease. What does that mean? The idea is this. Knowing this, that our old man, that person we were before we were saved, was crucified with Jesus in order that our physical body, which at that time was dominated by the sinful nature, might be rendered inoperative in the respect of that sinful nature, namely, being controlled by that nature. In order that no longer are we, are we rendering a slave's habitual obedience to the sinful nature. Kenneth Weist is pretty deep. So what does that mean? It simply means this. Our old man, that dude you used to be before Jesus came in by faith through grace, that old man was nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. And when it was nailed to the cross by faith through grace, that this life to that sinful nature, it was rendered inoperative. There was something that came into our life that negated the power of that sinful nature. You know, I've been re- reading a lot of commentaries. It basically says this, before we were saved, you know what? Who cares if we sinned? You know, and, and it wasn't like, you know, murdering somebody or running off in an adultery or something like that. We had no sense or care about Christ's glory or honor. We didn't think about him. We didn't serve him. We didn't love him. We didn't do anything for him. That sinful nature in us, it controlled our everything in our life. But now you get saved. Guess what? You get convicted when you do wrong, don't you? There's a drawing and a fighting against that sinful nature. Paul said it in Romans 7. Man, the things I want to do, I don't. Things I don't want to do, I do. I've got this raging battle going on in my life. See, what, what Paul is telling us is this. We, at the end, we're supposed to be holy people. We're supposed to love God and we're supposed to... Serve Him with our hands and our feet and our mouth and our mind and our eyes and everything that, that is us. We're, to, we're supposed to serve God with that. And oftentimes serving God means serving people, loving people. And that's hard at times. It would be hard to love me sometimes. It's hard for me to love you sometimes. But that's the truth, isn't it? So what's going on here? What happened is this. When you got saved... Who you were was killed. It died. And got nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. And the reason that we can do the things that Paul described that I mentioned in the beginning of this message is because this. That old man was crucified so that the body of sin is is rendered inoperative. In other words, it no longer has control over you. You can say no. You can walk the other way. You can do what God wants you to do because you are no longer a slave to sin. You are still a slave, but you are a doulos. You are a slave to Jesus Christ. Here's the fact that, of what has happened to us. I'll quote a, an old theologian. 
there's been a disengagement of the believer from the evil nature that has been brought about by God with the result that the believer no longer renders a slave's obedience to the evil nature habitually as he did before God saved him. The truth is this. When Jesus saves you, there will be a change in your life. Amen? There will be a difference in your life. There will be a new direction in your life. Perfect? No. You and I will still sin, right? But we are not a captive slave to that sinful nature. Our deliverance from enslavement to sin is due to us being crucified, identified with Jesus Christ. Look at verse 7. Paul goes on to, to, to prove the statement that he just said. Because we have died with Christ, because we have been crucified with him, because our old man, who we once were before salvation, was nailed to the cross with our Savior, Look at verse 7. It says this. For he who has died has been freed from what? Say it. Sin. We've been freed from the power of sin. Do you know what that term literally means? It actually means what this book of Romans is all about. Freed from sin means he has been justified. He has been declared righteous. Listen, Christian, are you struggling this morning? Does it seem like you're on that boat with the disciples and the, the waves of the Sea of Galilee are, are just so high above the boat edge uh, thing and it's coming into the boat and you're like the disciples running to Jesus. Don't you care? We're going to die. I'm not going to make it. I'm going to fail. Don't you care, Lord? And Jesus says, listen, I've given to you in my word what you need to understand. And you need to understand this. You have the responsibility to say no. You have the responsibility to live right. You do not give your life or your body over to those sinful things. You stay away from that which will cause sin in your life. You, you present your life to God. Because you're saved. I've told you in the word what you ought to do. But the reason you do it is because you're dead. Jesus bought you. He justified you. He made you righteous. It was this fact. that needs. It is this fact that so needs to infiltrate our mind. So as to cause us to go into action for him. Look at verses 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. There's two key words that in your Bible you ought to circle, underline, or highlight. Those words are believe and knowing. This is the truth and the crux of the, of, of the message here. What, it is that we, what, is, what is it that we need in order to do those things? We need to know and to believe. Timothy Keller says this. These verses take us to the implications of what it is to be raised in, in and with Jesus Christ. We believe we know that the power of Christ's resurrection has triumphed and will triumph in us. 
If we know that we died when Jesus died in the past, then we can believe that we will live with him in the future because he was raised to eternal life. He cannot die again. Now that's awesome, but what does it have to do with us today? Here's the fact. Most Christians do not understand what they are now. And because they don't understand what they are now, being dead in Christ, they do not have power and victory in their life. And fear of that sinful nature, or fear or whatever, controls them. And temptation affects them. And all that happens. Let, let me read you an illustration by Martin Lloyd-Jones that I hope will help clarify this thought and encourage you this morning. See, that verse I just read to you said this, when he died, Jesus, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that, but now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. In a moment, I'm going to read you a verse that says, you are to think the same way. But let me give you a story first. Martin Lloyd-Jones, preaching to his congregation something very similar, he said this, to help them understand what they are and to live in the victory of who they are in Christ. He said, take the case of slaves in the U.S. about 130 years ago. There they were in a condition of slavery. Then the Civil War came, and as, a, as the result of that war, slavery was abolished. What happened? Well, all the slaves, young and old, were given their freedom. Just like we have been given our freedom in Christ. Through faith by grace. But many of the older ones who had endured long years of servitude found it very difficult to understand their new status. They heard the announcement that slavery was abolished and that they were free. But hundreds, maybe even thousands of times in their life after they had been freed from slavery. Many of them did not realize it. So when they saw their old master coming, they began to quake and to tremble with fear and to wonder whether they were, being, were going to be sold into slavery again. See, the truth is you and I can still be a slave experientially. Even when you are no longer a slave legally. Whatever you may feel, whatever your experiences may be, God tells us through his word that if we are in Christ, we're no longer an Adam. We are no longer under the reign and rule of sin. And if I fall into sin as I do, it's simply because I do not realize who I am. It is not that I am a warrior. It's not that I am powerful because I'm a believer. It's not because I'm sainted. It's not because I'm a lion. It's not because of any number of other things that the Word of God tells us that we are. And oftentimes a lot of preachers and people tell us to encourage us to, 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 to be bold and to be brave and to be in, in, encouraged in our faith. It's not that at all. It is simply the fact that we are dead. Listen, beloved, we are dead. You and I are dead to sin but alive in Christ. How is it that we can 
present our bodies a living sacrifice? How is it that we can take the responsibility that we have to say no to sin? How is it that we can not allow sin to control us, to reign rule over us. It's not some mystical, powerful thing that we flick in a switch that we turn on and all of a sudden we got it. It's it's to have that deep understanding of the truth that through faith in Christ, by the grace of God, when Jesus died and paid for our sins and the Holy Spirit called me and opened my understanding and opened my mind and I realized that I was lost And he is God and the Savior. And I realized all those things. And I came to him in simple faith and I said, I accept. At that very moment, that old man died. Who I was died and I became a new creation, a new creature. Christian, you ought to live in the the understanding that you are a new creature. Is it going to make the fight and the battle of temptation any easier? No. But the reality is this. It tells you that you can have victory over it. You do not have to succumb to it. You do not have to be one of those people on the sides that others talk about. Yeah, they used to be a, a Christian. They, they used to be a Sunday school worker. They used to serve the Lord. They used to be a preacher. They used to do that. That's not where we ought to go. We ought to go to that place and not care what the world really thinks about us but care what God says about us. And he says that you are dead to sin, but alive in Christ. In the light of that truth, what does it mean? Verse 11, it means this. Likewise you also, because Christ is alive, your old man is dead, you ought to reckon, consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me say it again. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. So it brings us back to the beginning. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. You have a responsibility. Don't let it control you. Don't let it control you by you giving in to its sinful desires. Don't give in to those sinful desires. If that trampoline is calling you, don't go and jump on it. What I should have done is found Annette and Stephen and said, help me, help me. They said, go jump, Pastor. No, I'm kidding. You know what I'm saying to you? I know you battle because I battle. So if you battle, go find someone. Go find someone that loves God, that has a testimony of Jesus in their life, And that can walk with you so that you cannot let these things reign in your life. Don't present your bodies as instruments of unrighteousness. Don't let any part of your life, your body, the things that you do with this thing become an instrument to serve sin. Instead, present yourself to God. Present your hands and your feet, your mouth, your heart, your mind. Your voice, your eyes, give those to God to be used for His glory and honor. You know what the Bible closes out this whole text with? It's verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, 
For you are not under law. You're not under a bunch of rules. You're not under the 613 rules that the Jewish religion had by the time of Christ that they had to take a a left foot out of bed to go to the toilet and the right foot led them a different way and they had to eat with this. You don't have to do all those things. Do you know what your one rule is? That you are under grace. So I tell you all that to say this. It doesn't matter what life throws at us. You and I can live to the glory of God. And we can do it through His grace. We do it because, guess what? You and I as, 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 as saved people, we're not what we used to be. You're not the old man. You're not the old Steve. You're not the old Renee. You're not the old Jojo. You're not the old Anetta. You're not the old Nikki. You are the new creation in Christ. Do you know why Paul told his readers this text? Because they were forgetting what they were in Jesus. And when you forget what you are in Christ, you become weak. So Paul said, remember. Remember that you are alive in Christ and that you are under His grace. When you walk out this door this morning, I do not know what you walk into. I don't know what battles, I don't know what burdens, I don't know what, you, what goes on in your life. For most of you, because some of you are new and I don't know you, most of you, I pray for you. I pray for your family and I pray for your situations. And oftentimes, I don't know the details of it, but God does. Now listen, go out of here understanding this, that you're alive. You're not defeated. You have been given everything that you need to live for his glory and honor. But you and I have a responsibility. And we have to take that responsibility and to do those things. And so, Jesus says, in order to do those things, guess what? My grace is sufficient for you. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning... Lord, I really actually, truthfully, honestly, I don't know what to pray this morning for your folk. There's a myriad of different situations and different people. So here's what I pray, Lord. Number one, I pray that if there is an unbeliever in this room, and what I mean by an unbeliever, Lord, you know, I mean by that someone who has not bowed their life to you, in humility and came to you and said whatever it is that you desire for me whatever it is you want for me Lord I no longer hold my life dear to myself but I give it to you and I accept what Christ has done on the cross to pay for my sinfulness so that I would not die and go to hell but that I would be given new life and that I would spend my life eternally with you. Lord, my first prayer is that those who are not saved would be so convicted under the power of God at this moment that right there in their heart that they would confess their need of Christ and come to you and that you would give them new life and that they would be born again. My second prayer is to the believer. 
to that believer who is struggling, to that believer who's just coming back to the faith. God, that you would strengthen them and that you would overshadow them and that you would guard them and that you would, that you would just lift them and carry them like you've said in Isaiah 